Gracious Father, my Father, please bless us with your presence. May we sense your spirit, but more than that, may we sense your passion for souls. And Lord, as we present this, I pray that you will give me the words. And Lord, what I fail, please give it to the class anyway. That's my prayer in Jesus' precious, precious name. Amen. All right. We ended with the harmony broken. And, um, and why it was necessary to have a war. You would think that a war in heaven just was completely out of place. But it was necessary for what reason? Freedom of choice. Freedom of choice, but what more? Because God wants all or nothing. Is that true? So it was necessary for there to be a war in heaven so that there had to be a choice for one side or the other. You couldn't stand in the middle. There was no such thing as standing in the middle. You had to be either for God or for Lucifer. And that's the way it's going to be at the end of time. Is that not true? There's a battle that we're going on that's going on with us now. And it, it, we have to be on one side or the other. Let's pray that we're on the right side. And so that's why, why harmony was broken, and that's why we needed uh, uh, a, a, a war to separate the, um, the people. Um, and it's very clear from what we've studied beforehand up to this point that there was only two people involved in this. What were the two? These, the passage it makes it clear that God the Son, Jesus Christ, with all the loyal angels and Lucifer, now head of the disloyal angels, were the generals in this biblical account recorded by God's prophets to, to give us a clear picture of what took place just before the creation of this world. Now I'm going to share with you something that is not something for you to share with others, but I want you to know where I'm getting this. All right? That good? Okay. Don't do that to me. Come on. Okay. I'm not sure exactly why it did that, but it did. So let's just try this again. Okay. Uh, I have stated to you that the creation of the earth was immediately after the war in heaven. And I gave you the biblical text that says that, that Lucifer was thrown out where? To the earth, right? And so because he was thrown out to the earth, uh, the earth hadn't been created yet. So then I showed you where he's called the, the uh, angel of the air. That's number 10 on your next page under Lucifer. So it's important for us to understand that he was thrown into this area because God was planning to do what? 
create the world. Now, um, right after this war in heaven, it says the father consulted his son in regard to at once, what's the word? At once carrying out their purpose to make man to inhabit the earth. Father consulted his son in regard to at once carrying out their purpose to make man to inhabit the earth. That's found in uh, Story of Redemption, chapter 1, uh, 19.2. So, so what is it that we're, we're following up on? That it was important for God to, to recognize the fact that he did not want this thing of sin hanging around in the universe. He needed to continue this process so that we would have only basically 6,000 years of sin in the universe. Right? The 7,000 year is what? Uh, after the Lord comes, the 7,000th year is millennium, right? So it's important. There's nothing new just yet. Um, so it's important for us to, to recognize that God was not wanting to drag this thing out. He's not anxious to, uh, to let sin hang around in the universe. Once it was taken care of in heaven, it was sent to where the earth was being created. And uh, so Lucifer was then, Lucifer was then uh, giving, giving uh, time to watch what God was doing on the earth in creation, which is very, very important. Now, I want to give you a different viewpoint. Mostly what I've been giving you is the viewpoint of God and his, his way of looking at things. Nothing yet. Nothing yet. Uh, so it's, it's important for us to uh, look at not only how God is looking at this whole thing and how he wants us to look at the whole thing, but also I want to give you a, a, a glimpse of how Lucifer was looking at it. Now, why would I do that? Because I want you to understand the intense hatred that Lucifer has for Jesus Christ. Are, are you following me? The intense hatred. This is not something, oh, I just wish this guy was in a different block. I wish he would just go off to the rest of the universe. No. Lucifer has an intense <coughs> hatred for Jesus Christ. And that's why I want to share with you just a little bit another viewpoint, and that is from Lucifer, the fallen angel. He was watching with intense interest as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit proceeded in bringing into existence a magnificent home for the occupants yet to be created. He's watching this whole creation scenario. 
He's seeing the first day. He's seeing the second day. He's seeing the third day. And he's seeing the fourth day, and he's saying, hmm, this is pretty interesting. He's seeing the fifth day. And then he comes to the sixth day, right? So now he's, he uh, is watching how it is that, that God is going to take or create man and women, man and, man and wife, okay? Adam and Eve. So he sees the son, the man that he, the, 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 the God that he so dislikes, he sees the son stoop down and create a majestic form out of the dust like clay in a potter's hand. You think he's interested? He is so anxious to see what's going to happen now. But this was far more beautiful. He has never seen anything so outstandingly perfect. So here is the sun creating the form of Adam. But not only is he creating this magnificent form, he stoops down and breathes into his nostrils the breath of life. And Adam becomes a living soul. Incredible. Don't you think he's thinking, I, I wonder if I was created the same way. Yeah? This is an, an amazing thing for him to watch. Before his very eyes, he sees the man come to life. He sees Adam's first look into his creator's face. What absolute joy. Then he watches to see what's going to happen next. He sees that Adam is put to sleep. A rib is taken from his side, sewn up, and Jesus forms Eve out of that rib of Adam. How amazing. Her form is more delicate. Her features more delicate. She is stunningly beautiful. Then he watches as, again, she's brought to life and she's taken to Adam. Can you imagine this? Now he's seeing the first marriage. This tender marriage in heaven. He is almost overwhelmed. But you know what? He's overwhelmed with what he is seeing, but he also shudders 
with what his plan is. What is his plan? To derail them. You see? He has, has uh, the one, he was the one that watched, crafted, and derailed the third of the angels. What did he do? Remember it says a third of the angels went with Lucifer? A, a third of them. He derails them, and he knows what works best. Does he know what works best with you? Hmm. He decides at that point this would be his own project. Are you following me? Yes? He decides this will be his own project, but he waits many years. We don't know how many years. He waits until there's a separation of Eve from Adam in the garden. He waits. He waits. And he waits. And he waits. And he waits. He can't go anyplace but at the tree of knowledge of good and evil. There's no other place for him to go. That's the only place on earth that he can be right now. So all of his little imps are out there watching. But they see Eve start to move towards the tree. This is his one chance. This is his one chance. He has to make the very best of it. So he sums all of his in intelligent mind to try to come up with a plan that will entrap Eve. <clears throat> he proceeds and when Eve is taken by the lies that, that Lucifer gives her there at the tree, or now Satan, the devil, the dragon, the serpent, now what he gives her there at the tree, and she takes the fruit and eats it. I know that there was a huge from the powers of evil. They were so ecstatic that she had taken that fruit and they see her run back to Adam. Adam knew this was wrong. There was no question in his mind that, that this was the fruit, forbidden fruit. But he's torn between his incredible love for Eve, and he's lived with her, we don't know how many years, but it could easily have been 70 or 80 years. He loves this woman. And he is torn 
His heart is wrenching inside of him. She's going to be lost. She's going to be lost. How can I, how can I live without her? Adam takes the fruit and decides that he'd rather share her her fate rather than be true to God. Adam takes the fruit. But then Lucifer hears the promise. He is ecstatic until he hears the promise. Genesis 3.15. He, his mind, readily grasps what that means. He readily grasps what he means. And he says, wait a minute. Why didn't they just throw them out like they threw me out? And he is angry because this is not turning out the way he thought it was going to turn out. You cannot know the mind of God. God's love is so incredibly greater and bigger and more extreme than anything we understand. And Lucifer did not really understand the love of God. Even though he had lived with him for millenniums, even though he had seen him work for, the, for all the other universe and, and the way that he treated all of his other, other uh, people that were on the other, uh, other worlds, he, he was a, a God of love. There was no question about that. But this was far and beyond what he expected, that the God the Father God would give his son to be a seed. He couldn't fathom that. And his, he mulls over this. That evil force quiets down. Because they recognize that this is not a fight that's going to be easy. They were thrown out of heaven, weren't they? They were thrown out of heaven. They were banished to the, to the earth. They could no longer go to heaven. Lucifer is overwhelmed. And he determines, he does what? He determines that that promise is going to be reversed. It is not going to be Jesus that's going to be victorious. He intends to make himself victorious. So for him now, the fight is truly on. You get what I'm saying? He truly understands what's going on now. He doesn't know to what extent that the father will suffer his son to be tortured. He doesn't understand that yet. But he knows that his work is cut out. 
And as we go on the next page, we see that we have two generals. We have the Son of God as the general, and we have Lucifer as the general. God is the general of what is right and good and righteous. Lucifer is the general of what is everything wrong, ruin. Page four. The question might be asked. The question might be asked. Why did God not cut Adam and Eve off as he had Lucifer, the serpent? We're on top of page four. Why? Why did God not cut off Adam and Eve as he had Lucifer, the serpent? Hmm? Right. Had God chosen to keep sidelining everyone that sinned, there never would have been a victory over it, and it would have been a blight forever in the universe. There could not be any discord. There could not be any anarchy. Is she trying to listen out there? Is she trying to listen out there? No. Okay. Oh, okay. I see. Lucifer was found in sin after what? Many millenniums of a happy life with God and in his presence. Nothing more could be done for him. Is that true? He made his choice. He made his choice in the full knowledge of who Jesus Christ and God the Father was. There was nothing more that could be done for him. However, Eve was deceived by a devil who lost his conscience and could now fabricate lies. So Eve was deceived by Satan. Is that true? Was Adam deceived by Satan? Adam was not deceived by Eve. Adam chose Eve over God at that moment. What a pity. However, since God knows all, why did he not destroy Lucifer and his hosts? God must allow the entire universe to see to what extent the wrong path sin will take in order that all who choose the right path do so with what? Understanding. So it's important for us to recognize that, that God is wanting us to truly see the extent of what sin would do to the universe. And the only way he can do that is to place himself at some point in the, in the hands of the evil forces on the cross for them, for the universe to see to what extent Satan will take the world if he had a chance. I have to ask you, what's happening with ISIS? 
Not specifics. What I'm trying to say is, look, what I'm saying is this, and those that are not Christian, they want anything and everything that stands in their way. Is that right? They are exhibiting to us today that the evil forces are extremely strong in this world. It seems that God is withdrawing the spirit from the world. And we're seeing horrible atrocities take place all over the world. And I'm not saying that they didn't haven't over the period of time they have. But it's getting worse and worse and worse. And it's getting to the place where I think that if God doesn't come pretty soon, he might have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. You understand what I'm saying? And I'm not, I'm not in the place of God. I'm not going to tell him what to do. But I'm just saying, it's getting so bad on this earth now that we, we've seen just about everything that there is to see. Excepting the final thing that we'll talk about. So... Now is the time to make our choice for, for or against God. Today is the day of salvation. And I would like you to add to that Psalms 95, verse 7. Hebrews 3, 8, and 15. 7 and 8 and 15. 7 and 8 and 15. Okay. Psalms 95, verse 7, Hebrews 3, verse 7 and 8, and verse 15. Now is the time to choose. God has promised that once this de demonstration of the two sides is completed, all the ones that chose the God of love may be sealed to save for eternity I'm looking forward to that. For sin shall never rise again. Isaiah 46, verse 10. Somebody read that, please, in a nice, clear, loud voice. Isaiah 46, verse 10. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. 46, Isaiah 46, verse 10. Did I put the right thing? Isaiah 46, Yes, I was. I put the wrong verse. Where are you? Right here. Sin shall not rise a second time. Yes, affliction shall not rise a second time. Nahum 1 9. Nahum 1 9. And I think I asked him for that and I forgot to write it down. So. So what is it? So, okay, affliction. Say it again. It says, 
Okay. He will make a what? An utter end, and affliction shall not what? Rise a second time. So you need to write that down. Nahum what? One nine. Okay? Very important. Now, interesting considerations. Had lifespan continued not as it was before the flood, and we counted each generation every 600 years, and some people didn't even get, get, have children until they were over 200 years of age, uh, we would only have 10 generations from then till now. Isn't that interesting? After the flood, and I, I'm just giving you a, a picture of how short time this really is, right? It, it's really a very short time, yes? Uh, from one generation to the next. It's not a certain number of years. I think, I think later on we probably saw it more close to 40 years. But that was before the times, yeah, when their, when their lives were greatly shortened. So 40 years would be um, about half, and 600 years is not quite half. <laughs> But it's interesting, over, over this period of time, it's really a very short amount of time, really, when you consider what God has, is doing, right? Um, after the flood, God felt that 120 years was sufficient to make a choice for or against God, and that should be Genesis 6-3, not 3-6. I caught that one. All right? Once God allowed meat in the diet, he explained that the life of mankind would be required for the life of the animal, thus lifespans shortened accordingly. Genesis 9, 4, and 5, Noah lived 950 years, Abraham 175 years after the flood, Genesis, uh, Moses 120 years, David 70 plus 10, because medicine changed in lifespan, uh, changed lifestyle and lifespans are now getting longer, but yet it's even how? A hundred years is still what? Very unusual. So just, just helping you get a picture of what's going on. Now then, as we have seen, the real issue is God's way of love and righteousness or the devil's way of deceit and lies. At the cross, Jesus Christ was victorious over the devil. At the cross, the universe, the universe beheld the terrible conflict. At the cross, they saw the gracious, loving, and merciful general, which was Jesus Christ, right? Yes. Tortured, spat upon, humiliated, mocked. They heard the pitiful cry of their king, crushed by the enormous weight of our sins, Isaiah 53. They also saw Lucifer and watched what hatred he leveled against the very one who brought him into existence and loved him with an everlasting love. After seeing this dreadful and despicable act, the universe has clearly made up its mind. It is God the Father, the Son Jesus Christ, and the sweet spirit that have without any doubt completely won their hearts. Thank God. Yes. Only this earthly, the, this earth's population 
so tiny in its vast worlds without end, are still undecided. Now the great controversy between God and Satan rests where? With us. Who will we choose? Will it be with the great, with the great multitudes of the angelic host, the unnumbered beings of the unfallen worlds, the magnificent Father, the glorious Son, that we will cast our lot? Or will it be the popular way, the broad way, that leads to eternal ruin? For most of us, if given a choice between Christ and Satan, we would readily choose what? Christ. But what the devil is hoping none, how many? None. none will fully understand is just how crafty and deceptive he is. If that can be, if that, if that can be looked, up, looked over as it's just human nature, or no one is perfect, or it really is not that bad, he can pretty much back, sit back and watch us get swallowed up by his distractions, counterfeits, and lying wonders. It is when one of us should really understand the conflict. Are we getting this? It is when one of us should really understand the conflict between... Be, be, uh, and begin to question the path we are on and start reaching out for Christ that we begin to fully realize just how serious a foe the devil is. We have approximately how many major world religions? Fifteen major religions. Other than Christian, most are some form of atheism, Baha faith, Hinduism, Taoism, Buddhism, Sikhism, Celtic, polytheism, and a number of different kinds of paganisms. Islam has the Quran. Judaism accepts only the books of Moses now. You realize that, those of you who came in today? Judaism only accepts the books of Moses. But only Christianity can be identified as a Bible-based religion. Yet there are nearly 34,000 Christian denominations. Last time I looked on the internet, it was 39,000. 39,000, but we all believe in the same book. Something's wrong, right? Why so many? So few really studied the Bible for, for the chain, what is it? Chain the chain of, of truth that can be clearly followed from Genesis to Revelation. This is the only way we can identify truth. Anything less leaves us open to deception. Many Christians think the Bible is too difficult to understand, so depend on someone they esteem well-versed in scriptures. But that leaves us what? Carried away by what? Every wind of doctrine. Paul praised the Bereans as they what? Studied the scriptures to see if what they were told was true. Praise God. 
We need to do the same. In this section, we are going to discuss the incredible ways that the devil has counterfeited truth. But in order to do this, we must first establish what truth is. A very simple answer is whatever is found in the Bible as a chain of facts regarding the fundamental truths of Scripture. Who God is, who the Son Jesus Christ is, who the Holy Spirit is, and why, why do I put the Holy Spirit in there? He's part of the Trinity, and not only that, but there are many, many Adventists that are fighting against who the Spirit is. They don't know who he is. They think he is an essence of the sun. Uh, it, it, it's it's mind-boggling. So we must know who the spirit is, the true worship, the, true, the truth about the everlasting gospel of Christ, the character God is asking of his children, the Ten Commandments and salvation. These are the very basic things, right? From the list... We stated above, we are, getting, we are going to succinctly show the truth as it is in the Bible, basic instruction before leaving earth, and then show some of the counterfeits planted in our world to deceive God's people. This is not a complete list. Did you get that? This is not a complete list. So... Uh, this is this is only a very succinct list of of how it works. She's going to get it, she's getting it for you. So we've got God's truth, why it matters to God, and Satan's counterfeit. You see that? So we have God's God the Father, why it matters and the counterfeit, all right? Now that I've got all of your attention, I'm going to simply go down the, the things on the left-hand side, and then we'll go back. So I'm trying to, do, I'm trying to establish succinctly not, that this is not a full Bible study. Are you understanding this? Yes. This is not a full Bible study. Try to succinctly state who God the Father is, who God the Son is, who God the Holy Spirit is, creation. And I am a creationist, as I told the group before. I truly believe in creation. I believe in the six, seven-day creation cycle, without a doubt. We wouldn't even have a seven-day week if it wasn't for creation. We've been trying every other thing. It doesn't work. It doesn't work because it's seven days that the Lord has created the heaven and the earth. And it's those seven days that make us uh, uh, understand what creation is all about. Uh, worship. How important it is to understand worship. And I would like to add uh, also Isaiah 8.20 at the bottom of worship. Isaiah 8.20. Uh, under worship, on the, right in the middle of the page 2. 
worship. On the left side, okay, that's the left side. All right, the great controversy and the everlasting gospel. The word of God, the Ten Commandments, faith, hope, and salvation, even though I could have covered five pages at least. Child of the king, the way that we should behave. And I think it would be good for you to put James 3, 8 to 12 on, on the, the outside of that um, column. James 3, 8 through 12. The Old Testament sanctuary, and why is the Old Testament sanctuary necessary? Because it tells us what God is doing in the New Testament sanctuary, right? But he, he's saying, I want you to build the Old Testament sanctuary because I want to do what? I want to dwell among you, right? Oh, that's what God, our God wants to do. He wants to dwell among us. Um, the New Testament sanctuary, the great, two great commandments, which are? Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and your neighbor as yourself. True prophets, truth about the body temple, what happens when you die, result of Satan's lie, spiritualism, if we didn't have, if, if this lie that Lucifer had started uh, wasn't continuing, we wouldn't have spiritualism, would we? No. That's, that's the continuation of that. True church, life, death, and resurrection of Christ, Stewardship, and when I'm talking about stewardship, I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about, I'm talking about everything that we're to take care of that's in, in our little realm of who, who we are. So I need to take care of my time. I need to take care of my finances. I need to take care of other people sometimes. Uh, there's many things that I must take care of that's in my little realm of, of personality. And it's important for me to recognize that that stewardship is required of God. It's not something that he's just hoping for. It's something that's required of him. Why? He gave us the world. He gave us this planet. He made us. He wants us to take care of us and the world. And so it's very important to him. If, I, if, if Michelle gives me a wonderful gift, and I destroy it, what does that make her think I'm thinking about her? Ungrateful? Ungrateful? Terribly ungrateful, right? So God is asking for us to take care of things. Uh, heaven, seal of God, forehead only, second coming of Christ, the final judgment. Now let's go back to the beginning. Again, the, the thing in the middle, the column in the middle is why it matters to God. And I'm not going to go through this because I don't have a lot of time left. 
that I want you to see, Satan's counterfeits. What is the first thing on Satan's counterfeit? He sets himself up as a God. Isaiah 14, 14 is not in there. Isaiah 14, 14. All right? God the Son, Lucifer, Satan is an arch enemy of God the Son. Is that true? They, Lucifer hates, Satan hates Christ. He's out to, to hurt him in any shape that he can do that. And not only is out to hurt him, but he knows that what's precious to him is the children as he saw them created by his hand, and he saw that wonderful relationship between Adam and, and, and Christ. He knows that we are so important to God that he will do everything he possibly can to destroy us so that he destroys Christ in the, in the process. Okay, God the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit is the quiet one. It's a quiet one. And so how does Lucifer, Satan, counterfeit that? He makes, makes sure that our lives are stimulated beyond belief. Isn't that true? Make sure that they're stimulated beyond belief. He crowds out that still small voice. Um, creation, he makes his own self the creator. He creates Babylon the Great. You know, Babylon the Great, I, I was thinking about this last night. Babylon the Great is, is uh, you know, Babylon is just, it's, it's a, a miniature of the New Jerusalem. It's four square. It has garden. It has a river running through it. It's, it's, the, it's Satan's way of, of counterfeiting heaven. Not only did he counterfeit heaven, but he tried to cause Nebuchadnezzar to look at everything that God had given him, right? God had chosen Nebuchadnezzar. God gave it the, the kingdom to him. And pretty soon, Nebuchadnezzar is out looking at his wonderful world that he has created, and he's saying, I've done a really good job. Yes? The same thing that happened to Lucifer. He was uplifted by his beauty, by the, by the merchandise that he had. He, he, was, he was exceptional. And Nebuchadnezzar thinks he's pretty exceptional, doesn't he? And he's just saying, you know, that's really interesting. I'm, I am the one who has established this whole thing. And Lucifer's going, yep. I knew, he'd, I knew he'd get to that place. And what, he did, what happened? He lost his mind. He lost his mind. Now, could, do, could God have done that to Lucifer? No. No? Why? God worked with Lucifer over and over and over again. Lucifer committed his sin in the full knowledge of who God was. Nebuchadnezzar was a created being. He had not known or lived in the presence of God for millenniums. He could not have done it with Lucifer. 
but he could do it with Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar loses his mind, and when he comes out of it, he realizes what? This God is an incredible God. He saved my life even after this. And he praises the God of the heavens. You see? God is trying to save each one of us, and hopefully we don't have to lose our mind to get there. Right? Uh, So, Satan creates his own, the Tower of Babel. Uh, Worship, he makes his own false worship. If I, if I, if I, there's 34,000, 39,000 Christian religions, Christian religions. He is trying to make it very difficult on us to find the truth. And that's why we need to be people of the word. That's why we need to be people who are studying, like the Bereans, that we're studying the scriptures to find if what people are telling us is true. So very, very important. So he has, he's, he has a false worship system that he's set up, uh, and it, it, it's horrific. And I think it'd be good for you to also have uh, the, the capability of presenting some of the different things that have come into, into uh, Christianity over the, over the, uh, over the years. Um, okay? Great controversy. Um, the gate controversy, uh, most people think that God is the one that started sin. Is that true? Where did it start? Sin started by who? The devil. But he blames God for it. You follow what I'm saying? Blame game. Everlasting gospel, the plan of God for each one of us. Satan tries to keep us from knowing God's plan for our lives. Hosea 4, 6, and 2 Corinthians, and so on and so forth. Word of God, the Bible, sure way of, for us to know God is through that. And Satan is, what he has done, he's made multitudinous holy scripts that lead away from truth. Ten Commandments, the perfect transcript of God's law, uh, God's character. And... So it's, it's important that, that even though it, it perfectly reveals God's love and shows us, uh, uh, like keeping the commandments, it's important then that Satan has done what to the law? Changed the law. Took out the second commandment, took it out. Completely took it out. And changed how we keep the fourth. Well, it's not the fourth in their commandments, it's the third. Okay? So, and uh, if you have a Catholic catechism, that would be good for you to be able to show that. Faith, hope, and salvation. I chose chapter 11 of Hebrews, the great faith chapter. Uh, But what does Satan do? What is his counterfeit? He discourages and he condemns us. Isn't that right? Um, the child of the king, for as far as Satan is concerned, anything goes, right? As long as you aren't going after Christ, anything, anything else will do. It doesn't, have, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter how you live. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter anything as long as you're not following Christ. So immediately, 
we're, we're finding that, that, that uh, he's, he's taking over, over the rest of the world by the way that he's, he's acting. Okay, Old Testament sanctuary has all, uh, God is wanting to, to live with us. Um, Satan is, has always had his false gods, systems of religion, and or otherwise. So um, the New Testament sanctuary, he set up his own priesthood. Isn't that true? The two great commandments, what, uh, what um, Satan does is that the law is done away. True prophets, he has his false prophets. Truth about the body temple, he has so many vices, it's hard to keep up with them. Isn't that true? What happens when you die? This is the first lie of, of Satan shall not die. He says you shall not die. Satan's first lie, and most, most of us, most of us believe that still. Most of us believe that still. The result of Satan's lie is spiritualism. And, uh, and, and the Bible talks about that. And it, in, in terms of spiritualism, actually, who are we talking to? We're talking to the dead and evil angels. Well, really the evil. We're talking. The dead are the evil angels. There you go. All right? Yes. The true church, he has at least 34,000 Christian denominations. Um, life, death, and resurrection of Christ. For God, for, for Lucifer, he says there's no resurrection. The soul floats to heaven, but the body stays here. Interesting. Stewardship, what God, what God is asking us to take care of, Satan is trying to destroy. Uh, heaven, Lucifer is saying, looking for a better land here and now. It's not later. Live life now. This is the only life you have. Live it to the fullness. Do everything you want to do now. He's not helping us look to heaven. He wants us to live this, our life here, the way we want to live it. Seal of God is in the forehead, but the mark of the beast is where? Forehead or in the hand. So the mark of the beast means that I can not only have a mind against God, but I, I am working against God. Second coming of Christ, Satan is coming as, as Christ. Isn't that amazing? It may be a UFO, obscure place, taking the world by storm to deceive even the very elect. What is it? To deceive what? The very elect. The rapture. Though I must say that there are people that seem to really believe God that really believe in the rapture. But you know what? Those will come out, I believe. Come to the truth, I believe. Final judgment? 
I like um, Hebrews 1.8. Somebody read Hebrews 1.8. Oh, that's the song he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. So the scepter of, of God's judgment is what? Righteousness. Righteousness. I love that. But when it comes to Satan's side, I just had to say, sorry, Satan. I'm not sorry that Satan will be destroyed. I'm sorry that he didn't choose God in the first place. Yes? So, sorry, Satan, you lost. There's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. Hell is often contrived to mean a hot place where the devil is in charge. We have heard it so much it is part of our thought patterns and vocabulary. Not like we have been told, but there actually is a fire at the very end of the 7,000th year. Those who have chosen God are in heaven for a thousand years, going over the books of heaven. To me, this is an incredible doctrine. I think it's amazing that the God of heaven, the God of the universe, wants us to check up on him. Can you imagine that? See whether or not his decisions have been right. He's not going to clean house until we are completely satisfied. He does not want sin to come up again. He wants us to know for sure that everything he has done for all planet Earth is as it should be. Then we have the final end, the cleaning of house. I think that's amazing. Our God is not afraid for us to be certain that he has done everything right. He wants us to do this before he actually cleans house. When all the saved are content with God's decisions, he then does what the Bible calls his what? Strange act. Isaiah 28, 21. He oversees the fire from the midst of the Lucifer and consumes those who have not chosen righteousness. They would not be happy in heaven anyway, would they? There's no sin, there's no sin, sinful practices. So it not only, it not only destroys all the unrighteous, but it destroys himself. Ezekiel, and we find that in Ezekiel 28, 18, the last part, and 19, the last part. The last thing to be swallowed up is what? Death itself. Death itself. No more dying. There will be no more death, no more crying, for the former things have passed away. Now is the wonderful saying in 1 Corinthians 15, 55, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? What a beautiful plan. Yet, not realizing what God asks us to do, is for our good. We often do not submit to him. We chafe. We're just, hey, you know, don't bother me. That's spirit is saying, you know, do it differently. But we're saying, yeah, this is what I want. This is what I want to eat. This is where I want to go. This is how I want to live my life. And we chafe with the Holy Spirit. And when it comes to the place that we come to the place that we don't want it at all, we start to ignore it. 
or we get downright insubordinate. Of course, incognito or something not so. That is why the scriptures tells us, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other. How many times have young people left their homes because mom and pop said, please don't do this. We're praying for you. We love you. We don't want you to do this. So they separate. Yes? They cannot stand that tug of war with their hearts. And so they separate. That's what can happen to us. So we, we you know, if, if, we don't, if we don't comply, if we don't give of our spirit willingly, we come to the place that we just hate it. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one or despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Take heed, it says in Hebrews, Hebrews 3, 12 through 15. Is there somebody that can read that? Twelve through fifteen. Take ye, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the sinfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, Harden not your hearts, as in provocation. Okay, so why, what, what is it that, that causes us to harden our hearts? Unbelief. So what can we do? What is the solution? We need a new heart. Ezekiel 11, verses 19 through 20. Amen. We need a new heart. Yes? Ezekiel 19, 11, 19 through 20. Is there somebody that can read that? Then I'll give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within them, and take the stony heart out of their flesh, and give them a heart of flesh, that they may walk in my statutes, and keep my judgments, and do them, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. What a beautiful thought, isn't it? God wants to give us that new heart. He wants to give us that new heart. You know, God is in that process. He's, he is the, the, the doctor in this surgery room. He wants to take our old hearts out, and he wants to give us a new heart. What a wonderful thought that is. But you know what? There's, there's things that, that can um, complicate that, isn't there? If I, if, if, if I am on a watch list to get a new heart, I know that somebody has to what? Die. Die in order to give me a heart. Isn't that true? Somebody had to die in order to give us a new heart. That somebody is Jesus Christ. He died to give us a new heart. 
Even though he died to give us a new heart, we still sometimes bemoan the fact that that I, you know, I have to take care of myself now. I have to things are quite different after I get this new heart. Even if though I have life, sometimes I bemoan the fact that somebody had to die in order to give me this. Is that what God wants us to do? What he wants from us is to say, thank you, Jesus. Amen. I accept your heart in, in my life. I will live for you. I will continue to rejoice in your presence because you are the greatest God that has ever lived. Yes, won't you accept this gift? I want to accept this gift. And I pray that each one of us will accept this gift. Let's pray. Father God, as we've gone through this, I pray, dear Lord, that it will somehow trigger something in our hearts and help us want to share your everlasting gospel with mankind. Lord Jesus, help us. May this heart that you've put in us now seek and save that which is lost. May it change us to be like you. That is our prayer, and we thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Now, I need to give you a few little things. I've told them it's going to be a little bit late. Um, you remember I gave you this? When you are giving Bible studies, what you want to do is you want to make sure that it fits into this picture. You will see the Sabbath goes from uh, the beginning to the very end, because even in heaven, don't we still have the have, have Sabbath? The law of God will be from the very beginning clear until the very end, even in heaven, right? The verbal word of God was verbal before, now it is the written word, and it is something that we will take to heaven. In heaven, we will get his verbal word again. Amen. Thank the Lord. Isn't that? And then we have the Old Testament sanctuary, and we, then it goes up to the New Testament sanctuary. Everything is on this little chart, all right? When you are giving Bible studies, you need to help them understand that this is an overview of everything. I gave you the overview of the everlasting gospel, right? I gave you that view. The great controversy is the sad side of that everlasting gospel, isn't it? And so that is the, the thing that God is wanting to tie us all together. Uh, he wants us to understand what's happened before and what's going to happen in the future. And so um, then all of this, ever, as you give your studies, make sure that it will fit into this picture of God so that people can see where it is. Now, if you've, if you've given this study, but you want to focus on the, the cross, Yes? You've given the everlasting gospel, and I gave you that the first day of the, of the studies on Wednesday. When, when you saw that, I just touched on the cross, didn't I? 
But that cross, then maybe I want to spend time with it. Say, you know, this is part of the everlasting gospel. And I want to spend time on the cross. Tell you what it means to me, and hopefully it means that to you. So focus everybody on this, this uh, picture of God and um, make sure that it's very clear. Now, there was something that I wanted to say to you in this last study. I'm sorry? Oh, those are the, those are the seven churches. Okay? The seven churches in Revelation, right? Uh, one thing I wanted to say to you was on the last page, page four, On page four, you notice I would I put a, a asterisk after chafe, ignore, and insubordinate. Why I'm going to I'm going to add more to that, so it will come on the very last page. I didn't, I didn't talk about this page because it's extra materials. So I'm going to start, I will send you a, a copy. Those of you who have my internet and you send me a note, I will send it to you, right? I gave you my card last time. I hope you will use it. Um, because I think it's important for us to <clears throat> help people to understand that, you know, when, when, when we're, when we're first, uh, the Holy Spirit speaks to us first. We just kind of chide back and forth, right? We, no, I, I, this, I know it's not good for me, but I'm going to eat it anyway. I know that this is not the good thing for me to drink, but I'm going to drink it anyway. I know that this isn't the best thing for me to do, but I'm going to do it anyway. What is that doing to the Holy Spirit? Till we come to the place that we start to ignore that voice, Right? People need to understand that. So I want to just add a little bit there, and that will be on the, on the last page. Um, also, I did not mention to you, because we were flying through this, on the first plan, plan, plan part one, the last, the last page of this. I'm not doing too bad. I'm just two minutes late, so far. On the last number four of, the, of this document, there is a, there's a, a statement of why I believe the Bible to be the true word of God. I hope you'll look that over, and if you have any questions, write to me, all right? It's not complete. Did you hear me? I think it says there, this is not exhaustive. All right? It's not exhaustive. But I think it's important that we bring this to their attention and say, you know, we're studying the Word of God, but you need to believe in it. And I think that this might help you to believe in it. So read it over, and if you have any questions the next time we get back together, then you can ask me those questions, and we'll try to take care of it. All right? You've been a great group. Thank you for... Coming to this class, I pray that it will be a huge blessing for you, not just now, 
but for eternity. May many people, many people be one to Jesus Christ for understanding and accepting the everlasting gospel is my prayer. Take care. You have a wonderful, wonderful day. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.